You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Three-one pitch, swing and a drive, deep to right field, way up there, way out of here. Goodbye, baseball. Eight strikeouts for the King tonight, and make it. 23 consecutive scoreless innings for Phoenix. Strike three called on the outside corner, and there it is. It's time for the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Kyle Seager, that just happened. Thank you very much. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Welcome back to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Gary Hill back with you. Thanks for being here again, and hopefully you enjoyed your 4th of July holiday, Independence Day. And Mariners didn't enjoy it as much as they enjoyed their weekend, taking four from Baltimore. And what was really tough in terms of scheduling, the Mariners flying out Sunday night and then turning around after a long flight to Houston and playing a day game. In Houston, taking on the red hot Houston Astros. And it was an interesting ball game. Unfortunately, I don't have the highlights for this one, so I'm just going to have to talk through it here real quick. But the Mariners facing Lance McCullers, who was outstanding. He struck out double digits in the ball game. Mariners couldn't get much going, although they did have a fantastic opportunity in the seventh inning. Bases loaded, nobody down, and they couldn't push a run across. McCullers for the game goes seven, gives up five hits, just one run, walked one, and fanned ten in the ballgame. The bullpen for Houston, which has been excellent, two clean innings without a run, although Nelson Cruz, last batter of the ballgame, Nearly got one out to right field, back against the wall, brushed up against the wall to make the catch, but Nelson Cruz nearly tied it, the last batter of the ball game. Mariners also a runner thrown at home in the first inning. So some opportunities for the M's in two innings in particular, but for the most part, not able to get much going. On the flip side, what looked like was going to be a long day for Miley ended up being a pretty good start. He had a lot of hard hit balls early in the ball game. But bounce back to go six and two-thirds, gives up just a couple of runs and fan two. I think that's a great sign moving forward. Tom Wilhelms in one inning gives up one hit, no runs. So the Mariners drop game one of this three-game series. When I look to bounce back and try and even the series today. We did. I thought we had him on the ropes there uh, on the seventh inning. The bases loaded, nobody out. But, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, didn't get it done. But, you know, McCullers had really good stuff. Yeah, you know, good credit. You had good stuff, good breaking ball today. Probably one of the better breaking balls we've seen all year. So, uh, you know, tough, tough game. I thought Miley pitched really well um, after uh, Rocky first there. He, he, he got him going again. It looked kind of like the Wade Miley we saw back in May, uh, which is definitely a positive sign. We certainly need that out of him. The first inning there, you had a chance that got third, and that got away from you too. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, leadoff triple. Um, thought we'd pick up that run. It didn't happen. Got a little bit too aggressive, uh, you know, on the ball in the dirt there on the, the third strike call. But uh, you know, it it happens. You know, it, it's uh, unfortunate we got our four hole hitter coming out. But um, you know, I, it was tough game, tight game. You know, I thought we were gonna in it right there. Um, you know, the whole way. I, like I said, the seventh inning was really our shot. Is that a bad game on the first? 
Um, <laughs> I remember back, it turned out bad. I mean, yeah, you know, series, it, which, yeah. you know, that it's definitely gets played all the time. Yeah, it, it is. It, yeah, I think, you know, talking to him about it, if he'd have taken off the minute the catcher grabbed the ball and spin, he didn't. He waited until the ball was kind of out of the catcher's hand, and then he went. So, you know, would have made a difference. Very well could have. Um, it is an aggressive play. Um, again, four-hole hitter coming up. It's a little, a little tough to, to, to handle that one. But, you know, it, it does happen, unfortunately. But, you know. Some good signs today with our pitching, and you know, uh, good, good to see Miley out there. What did, what did Wade do to kind of get things back on track? Uh, he started locating better, got the ball down in some spots. Uh, thought his off speed pitches were better today. Um, decent change ups. You know, the home run he gave up to Springer, I think, it was supposed to be a ball away that came back over the plate. Um, you know, it's but I, I, for me, I thought the ball was coming out of his hand good, and it was much much crisper today. This should be an interesting matchup as well, as Dallas Keuchel is going to go for the Houston Astros. It's been a struggle for Keuchel this year, although he's pitched a little bit better as of late. Keuchel for the season 5-9, and nine, a 5-1-3 ERA. Taiwan Walker was excellent as last time, 4-6, and six, a 3-2-9 ERA on the season. So the middle game of a three-game series... Walker has already faced Houston twice this season, including one of his best starts. Seven innings of one-run ball, fanned 11 on April 25th. The Mariners won that one 3-2. And he pitched uh, well last time at six and a third one-run ball against Baltimore last Thursday. Keuchel, meanwhile, in 10 starts, has fanned 68 and 70 innings this year. 5-1-3 ERA overall, a surprise given his last season, but he's won his past two starts, 2-0, a 3-2-6 ERA against the Royals and the Angels. So the Mariners will try and even things up again. Mariners and Astros, game two of this series. Now we have a ton to get to in this podcast. One... Uh, One thing we're going to do, bullpen banter. Didn't do it yesterday, so we'll have it today. Charlie Furbush, Tom Wilhelmsen. So let's go to that right now. I want to hide my excitement, but I can. We're back again with another edition of bullpen banter. I'm Charlie Furbush, and Tom Wilhelmsen is my guest. My buddy, oh buddy, oh buddy, oh pal. How are you, man? Oh, I'm so good, Charles. (laughs) How are you, bud? Oh, just about to give you the greatest interview of your life, you know? So I hope you're prepared for that. I believe it. I've been looking forward to this. For a long, long time, Charles. Yes. only You're only one of the few people that do call me Charles. You and Adam Lind. How about that? You know that? Yeah, Adam Lind's a ter- tremendous human being, too. Uh, I, I, think you, I thought you almost called him a Tyrannosaurus. Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> uh, he's a Tyrannosaurus human being. Speaking uh, of... arms. Yes. <laughs> kind of. Speaking of dinosaurs, what is your favorite dinosaur? Boy, there's so many to choose from, really. Uh, but I guess growing up, I was a fan of Triceratops. Okay. And the pterodactyl. Okay. Um, probably because they both started with T's, and my first name starts with a T. Yeah. Tom is, his real name is Thomas Mark Williamson. I only know that because I'm smart. <laughs> Charles Roderick Furbush. Yeah. That's it. Right. Oh, yeah. That's, that's our names. Those are our names. All right. Um, since you, your time in Texas was short-lived, did, can, you, can you give me like a, a Texas meal that you had that was local to Texas? Yeah, so they have this thing over there called uh, Tex-Mex. And, um, you know, from Arizona, I eat, I eat Mexican food quite often. The authentic um, kind. The, yes, the authentic kind. Now, now Tex-Mex is, is a little different. Instead of salsa, what you get is marinara sauce. Whoa. And you also so it's like pizza, so it's like marinara sauce. Okay. I mean, 
And then instead of like, you, you don't get veggies on your fajitas. That's just kind of weird to me. Um, it, it, I felt Tex-Mex was extraordinarily bland. Yeah. It sounds like it's bland and unhealthy. They didn't even add your vegetables, man. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fact. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what's Mexican food without salsa? And what's Mexican right? food without veggies? I mean, that's yeah. it's pretty much part of the diet right there. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I don't think I'm going to get Tex-Mex ever. Did you happen to uh, pick up a pair of your uh, favorite style of shoes, cowboy boots? You know, I, I, I took a gander. I, I, I did, I'm not going to lie. But I walked in with my Birkenstocks on. And I didn't have any socks, so I really couldn't try any of these uh, these boots yeah. on. Do they have like Birkin boots? Like, yes, they do. Oh, I, actually, wow. when I was traded, my mother sent me a, <laughs> a picture of some Birkin boots. <laughs> no way! Yeah. Really? Yeah, totally. Oh, um, man, that's awesome. It's like the, the open, it's like the open foot, and then up around your ankle to mid calf is is like a rattlesnake boot part. Kind of sounds like it would be like. In Greece or something, like yeah, that style like shoe. This you know? is Sparta, yeah, but yeah. in Germany. So this is ancient Germany. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. Let me ask you what you, you would be doing if you weren't playing baseball. I would love to travel. I would just love to travel. And, Wouldn't that be uh, great to have a job that paid you to travel? Yeah, you know, this one kind of does. Like, it kind of yeah. does pay you to travel. But, like, the traveling we do, like, we get to go to these great towns. And, granted, of course, we get to do a little bit of sightseeing and go into these awesome ballparks. But it really doesn't give us much time to really go out and, uh, you know, hike around or, or adventure and, and see some of yeah. the um, I uh, think some of the I got an idea. It just popped in my head right now. After we're done playing, years, year, eons from now, we should probably hire or get in contact with the Travel Channel, and we could do the Tom and Charlie Traveling America show. And maybe we could work on the name, but yeah, 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 we could totally do that. We, um, I, yeah, I agree with you, man. That'd be right. fun. And they could pay us to do it, you know, and we could do a TV show. I'd watch that. Yeah, right. Who wouldn't watch that? All right, we got a yeah. What's your what's your superpower of choice? Boy, there's just so many, but I guess if I was to choose one, I, I would love to fly, get, get a bird's eye view, especially yeah. of, of things like uh, a pterodactyl eye view. Pterodactyl eye view. Um, Actually, it flows. That's yeah, cool. it'd be really cool to like see the Grand Canyon or, or dip dive in you know, some of these slot canyons and stuff. All right. That would be great. And we're going to wrap it up with your favorite, your favorite karaoke song. What are you, you going to do? What are we, we going to... We're gonna duo something, you know. Well, we've we've duoed I think once or twice before, um, and and I'll just go back to it because it's so much fun. But I like to do karaoke with a group of people, and um, there's really no other song that's better with a group of people than Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. See, I don't know where to begin with this song because it's so great. I I think I know all the words, but I don't want to start. Boom 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 boom. Boom, mama, just killed a man. I can't believe mom did that. <laughs> a gun against his head, pulled my trigger, now he's dead. Mama, life has just begun. Now you gotta throw me Sometimes I wish I'd never been born at all. Carry on, carry on.
that's a rat. Oh. Really matters. Oh, that was beautiful. No, oh, that's so great. All right. We got to get going, guys. Another week of Bopin Benter. Very interesting conversation on home runs. A lot happened last month in terms of home runs on an individual and team basis and major league-wide. Here to talk about that, Aaron Goldsmith and Mike Blowers. We're going to talk about one of your favorite subjects, Mike. We're going to talk the home run ball. Love it. Yeah, I, I see. I knew that would be the case. Yeah. All right, so this has been maybe quietly, which would be a surprise to say, but maybe quietly, this has been a, a pretty historic first half of the season when it comes to home runs, not only in overall quantity, but also in individual efforts. So let's kind of run down some of these. First of all, we'll start with the team that the Mariners are playing right now. How about the Baltimore Orioles, Mike, setting a June 56 home runs in the month of June for the Baltimore Orioles, passing Mark McGuire's 1996 Oakland A's. Scott Brocious, by the way, who's the hitting coach for the Rainiers, was on that team as well. But can you put that in perspective, Mike? 56 dingers in one month? That's incredible. It, it really is. And, and I, I think that it's amazing in this game sometimes if you can get a couple of guys that maybe you're on the fence about and all of a sudden they take off. Mark Trumbo, for example, mm -hmm. 23 home runs on the year. Then your stars start to catch up to it. Chris Davis, quietly, 20 home runs yeah. you know, on the year. Um, Adam Jones, who... Started the year struggling as their leadoff hitter. Oh, he has 16 home runs. You know, it kind of works that way. So, um, But that's a lot of home runs. They have a hitter-friendly ballpark that they're playing in, and they have a lot of guys that can slug it. Machado. For sure. Yeah. David Ortiz, just the other night, Mike, hit home run number 522 in his career. He's now 19th all-time in home runs in Major League history. He passed with that one swing. He passed Ted Williams Willie McCovey and Frank Thomas on the all-time home run list. I mean, David Ortiz is slugging his way to the Hall of Fame when his time comes, and this gets us back to the, well, it seems like, unfortunately, the endless conversation about Edgar Martinez and the DH and getting to the Hall of Fame. But I really think that David Ortiz is kind of helping to open up people's eyes, and Frank Thomas before him for DHs in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I, I think that one of the advantages that Frank had is, is he played a lot of first base in his career. Um, I think Ortiz is probably the guy, the model, um, to get him in there. I don't think that there's any doubt that he's a Hall of Famer and, and will go in, and, and that certainly will open up the door, so you'll have to consider it. I think it's it, it's kind of like um, when you look at closers in the game, and, and they refuse to put those guys in for a long time, and mm -hmm. that, that's changing now. But you have to get somebody in there first that is strictly a DH, and that's what Ortiz has been his whole career. And Ortiz benefits from playing for an iconic franchise in the hub of a media market and also some postseason performances that have gone down in history I mean, yeah he's certainly... one of the best i've ever seen postseason dramatic walk off yeah. home runs i mean not just base hits but homers he's amazing it's been an amazing career to watch him and um you know you really get to appreciate him i i know that i do and, and just watching him interact with his teammates the way he has handled himself the way he is as far as the game goes he's you know, he's he's really special, and I can't believe that he's going to retire after the year he's putting together. I mean, it's it's a monster year he's having. And if you consider the young talent around him, oh, I mean, sure. the guys and the opportunities for him, it's not they're not going away. They're going to be there for a long time. So, Mookie Betts, Jackie Bradley Jr. Yeah, 
I'm, I'll be excited to see. Bogarts. Bogart, oh, absolutely. Bogarts is going to start the All-Star game, it looks like. Thank you. I'll, I'll be interested to see the type of reception that he gets here and what kind of fanfare the Mariners put on for him when the Red Sox come to town near the end of the season. It, it'll be the best. The Mariners yeah, organization, they're, they're, they're great at this kind of stuff. And when he shows up, I'm sure that they'll put something together that will be one of the better ones that you're going to see all year. Yeah, it'll be off the charts. Well, when you talk about home runs, Mike, in this season, uh, the Mariners are right at the top of the list. Of course, five more home runs last night. But th- these numbers are amazing, Mike. You think about the Mariners this year now, 122 home runs. That's more than the year in total, all right, the final total of home runs at the end of the season in seven seasons in Mariners franchise history, including most recently 2010 and 2011. So the home run numbers have been incredible for the Mariners. They have eight games left before the All-Star break, including today, and seven of those will be on the road in, in ballparks where it's going to be awfully warm, Houston and also Kansas City. Mike, think about this. The Mariners just need 12 more home runs to pass seven more teams. No, pardon me, 12 more teams for their year-end home run total in franchise history. They will already be kind of right in the middle of the pack in year-end home runs in franchise history at the All-Star break if they can do that, 12 home runs in the next eight games, which I think is very possible. Last night I was listening to the post-game show that Gary was, was doing and does a great job with, and he said something that I didn't realize, and they have an opportunity, but they could have eight guys go into the all-star break with double-digit homers. And if, and if I heard Gary right, I believe that that has never happened with the Mariners. They've never even had seven, and they've got two guys. At nine right now. At nine, and Smith and Goody. Yeah, with, yeah, with the already six guys that have done it. In fact, if you look at Major League history, only three times in Major League history has a team gone into the break with eight hitters and double-digit home runs, and... A great chance that happens for the Mariners this year. Yeah, and, well, I mean, what about Zanino? They play him the rest of the way. He could be there. He's got two <laughs> yeah, in one right. game. You're right. Eight more to go, baby. It, it's amazing. You know, up and down the lineup, and, and you think about it, and I think that you, you have to get, again, contribution from guys that you, you don't expect. I, th- I think at the end of the year, you expect Cano, or at the start of the year, you expected Cano to be 20-plus home runs. Mm-hmm. You expected Nelson Cruz to be 30. You expected Kyle Seeger to be in the 20 somewhere because that's what they have done. But all of a sudden, Martin, a career high, and we're not to right. the all-star break yet with 11. Is it your leadoff and hitter? And a career high came weeks ago. Oh, it came weeks ago, yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And you talk about Gutierrez again coming off the bench, part-time player. Seth Smith plays quite a bit, but still, um, you know, Day Holy and what he has done. Adam Lynn, for me, hasn't even gotten hot yet. And right. He has 12. And, and, you know, that projects out. We're at the midway point, so 24. I think he's got a chance to hit 30. So if you look at every single month ever played in the history of baseball, yeah, June of 2016, the month we're just coming off of, had the fifth most home runs hit in it in Major League history. I mean, there's over 1,000 home runs combined hit last month in Major League Baseball. And, you know, Mike, the narrative that we've talked about, especially here on Sundays, for the last few years has been this is a, a game right now that it's dominated by pitching. Hitters are having a hard time catching up to it. And at least so far this season, and this isn't to say that strikeouts are going down anytime soon because they're still on the rise, but there's been something about this year, Mike, and I don't know if we can even pinpoint what it is, but 
Boy, the home run ball has been in play in a major way. Yeah, I've thought about it, especially over the last couple of weeks and, and watching the games and seeing what's going on. I, I still think that the pitching is dominant. I, I think that you look at the strikeout numbers and, and that'll tell you that, but I think the hitter's attitude about things is a little bit different. And I think that they're not concerned about the strikeout, and I think they're cutting it loose. And I think you're seeing more and more managers not willing to give up outs. They're letting their guys hit. Um, Scott Service is letting guys swing 3-0 and all the time, and it's paying off for them. And then I think on the flip side, and it, and it kind of coincides with the Mariners and their philosophy, and I think that it's working its way around baseball, is the pressure on the pitchers to command the strike zone. They don't want to walk anybody. So you're seeing more and more pitches in the middle of the plate when they're behind, and these hitters are taking advantage of it. Are they not wanting to walk guys because of you don't want to put one or two on for the home run? I, I think that, yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I, I think that there's so much going on um, in baseball right now, and, and there's, there's so much data that they're just trying to stay away from the walks completely. When you look at the home run, though, and you look at recent World Series champions, I mean, you think about the Giants. Now, granted, they play in a horrible Home yeah. run park. I mean, right. arguably the worst in baseball. Uh, one of their recent World Series championships, they were last in the majors in home runs. Kansas City last year, obviously not a home run hitting team, not a home run ballpark. Uh, but so, to me, I guess it's kind of funny when you think about constructing a team in today's day and age. And we've seen Jerry Depoto obviously lean more towards on-base guys, and yet we're still seeing all the home runs and multi-run homers because of the on-base percentage, which has been so much better this year for the Mariners. But just kind of strikes me as odd, Mike, because there's a, a proven formula that you do not need to hit the long ball to win a World Series. But I suppose, from a, to be perfectly honest, Mike, and your perspective as a, a former major leaguer would be a good one here. In today's day and age, man, if you can hit 20 homers in a season, you get a good contract doing that, don't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely you do. And 20 is just the start. Yeah, ab- absolutely you do, and... and you know, for me, though, I like – if you look at it and you think about on-base percentage and what those guys mean, and it's obviously it, – it's translated for the Mariners, but you bring up San Francisco, you bring up Kansas City, they probably have more speed than power. Mm-hmm. Um, but those guys getting on base create so much pressure, so much pressure on the guy out there holding the ball in the middle of the diamond. And the tendency is that they're going to make more mistakes because of that pressure. And I think hitters take advantage of that. I, I, I used to say it all the time, and it's something I've talked to Edgar Martinez about, because as you know, uh, this club going into this year had really struggled hitting with men in scoring position. And I talked to Edgar about that, and it was one of the first things that he addressed when he took over as the hitting coach here, and that is how to relax in those situations and understand it's the pitcher that's in trouble, not the hitter, and take that pressure off of yourself and understand that if you don't get it done, the guy right behind you has an opportunity to do it. Well, the only way that works is to keep creating those opportunities. And that's what we've seen from the Mariners, and I think you're seeing it throughout baseball. You know, we heard Felix talk about that from the reverse aspect of it because Felix's numbers over the first two months of the season before he went on the disabled list, oh. pitching with runners in scoring position, he had held opponents to something like one for 44 or two for 43. Yeah. It was just insane, and he said that he is able to relax even more so when he has a runner at second base than he does yeah. when he has a runner at first or the base is empty. And it's easy to, to feel that way when, <laughs> when, when you're a right-hander of a generation like Felix. Yeah. But it goes to show you that if you can just calm yourself down, whether you're the pitcher or the hitter, good things can happen and more times than not will. And that being said, we, we saw something this year that is extremely rare with Felix on the mound. That is he walked in a run. You're right. And the reason why those numbers were so much in his favor as far as getting hitters out. 
Maybe we, maybe you and I could do this some sometime, Aaron. I think you would enjoy it. But watch how many of those outs that he was able to record, or the strikeouts that he was able to pick up on pitches out of the strike zone. Yeah, you're right. Get guys to chase. Now Felix can do that because everything he throws is a plus pitch, and especially that changeup that he throws. If you get, as a hitter, you know it, but it's so hard to lay off of it. More times than not, it's down out of the strike zone, and he's out of he's out of what everybody else thought he was in a, in a real jam. We have to finish talking about Jim Palmer because we're talking about the home run ball. I had a great conversation with Jim yesterday. It's good to have him in town. No surprise. Hall of Fame pitcher for the Orioles, part of the TV crew for Baltimore. How about this, Mike? This is one of the greatest stats of all time. Palmer pitched in the major leagues for 19 seasons and never gave up a grand slam. He never gave up a grand slam in 19 seasons as a starting pitcher. Now in the Hall of Fame, three Cy Youngs. He walked the bases loaded or walked a run in with the bases loaded, I think, 11 times. So he was not going to let somebody take him deep with the bags packed. No. He'll give up one run as opposed to three. I think it's smart yeah. pitching. Or maybe four. You're talking about the grand slam. You know, a ball in the gap drives in three. He wasn't going to do that. He, I, I think for him, and especially if he knew who, who was up next, mm-hmm. let me just throw some pitches off the plate. If they want to swing at it and get themselves out, okay, but I'll get the next guy out for sure. I think it's great. It's fan- it's a it's a great stat. Nineteen years, he never gave up a grand slam. That's incredible. And my well, my second favorite story with Jim Palmer is somebody once looked up. I think it was eleven guys. They looked up the eleven hitters that he walked with the bases full, and they went up to Jim and they said, "Hey, Jim, I'm going to start naming off names. The, all these names have something in common. I want you to tell me what they are." And the guy said, uh, Gary Hill, Shanna Dreher, Mike Flowers, Aaron. Oh, those are all the guys that I walked with the bases loaded. <laughs> Not surprising. Not surprised. I mean, it, it, if you're ever fortunate enough, and, and we are because of the jobs that we have, to get a chance to talk to him or even listen to him, mm-hmm. um, he's fantastic. And he's aware of everything. Oh, he, he does not – when it comes to his career – he is aware of all of it. He's a walking baseball reference.com. He is. And you know what I you know what I thought about? I, I had a quick conversation with him yesterday and I walked away from it thinking it would be awfully tough if you're one of the Baltimore Orioles pitchers and here comes Jim Palmer and he starts asking you questions about your job and what you're trying to do and how you're doing it because he already has all the answers. <laughs> yeah, you just That would be intimidating. It would I would be, think. Oh, it would be terrifying. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Blow, this was fantastic. Thank you, yeah, as always. enjoyed it. The 1-1 pitch to the kid. Swing and a fly ball. Deep to right center field. Hall on the run. Goodbye, baseball. A grand slam home run by Ken Griffey Jr. His first grand slam in his major league career. And the Mariners now lead the New York Yankees 6-1. The kid clears the bases. Here in the top of the ninth inning, and the Mariners take a five-run lead. See you later!